Hello, welcome to episode 40 of 10 Zero. I'm Maria. And I'm Caitlin. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Do you want to build a snowman? No. Do you want to hide a body? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> that one. Oh, How are we doing? Well, I can finally breathe. How's our foot? Better. Good. You know, since... It's not falling off anymore? Yeah. <laughs> it's not cut wide open anymore. That's always plus right? You only pop stitches everywhere? I only popped one, and it was still intact. <laughs> Oh man, so our true crime fact of the day takes us to March 4th of 1944. 1944, going back. My grandpa was 12. He was born in 32. I think. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Shit. <sighs> well, Louis Bushalter? Bush, Bush Alter, the head of Murder Inc., was executed at Sing Sing Prison in New York. Oh. He went by Lepke, and he was the leader of the country's largest crime syndicate through the 1930s, and was making nearly 50 million a year from his very back then. 50 million a year. Yes, please. Right. His downfall came when several members of his notorious killing squad turned into witnesses for the government. Oh, well, there you go. Lepke began his criminal career robbing pushcarts as a teenager. When he met Jacob Shapiro while trying to rob the same pushcart, the two quickly became a formidable team. With Shapiro's brute strength, the two established an extortion business forcing push cart owners to pay for protection it seems kind of like extortion but you know it's fine that's what i just said oh it was an extortion business oh. <laughs> i was not listening over my own chewing apparently apparently you and your damn conversation hey huh? these are my favorite candy leave me alone <laughs> It's okay. I plan on buying multiple bags when I go ah. to Walmart. Uh, I have to get Valentine's Day cards. Oh. Anyways, back on topic. Back to my not listening. <laughs> Lepke and Shapiro then joined Jacob Organ's Lower East Side Gang and turned their attention into, or two bigger gangs. Not into. Dear Lord. I already can't talk. One by one, Lepke and the gang terrorized the local garment workers' union. They took over control of the unions and forced kickback payments from both the members and the employers. Oh. Soon, they had taken over the entire New York garment industry. In the 1920s, they added liquor bootlegging and gambling, and later began in heroin and other narcotics. Good times. Good times. Yeah. I guess. He assembled a large team of hired killers to enforce his control. At one time, his team may have included as many as 250 hitmen. Oh. 250 hitmen. That's a lot. He also began to coordinate operations with other big crime kingpins around the nation. With Lucky Luciano, Meyer Lansky, and Dutch Schultz, Lepke virtually controlled organized crime throughout the country. In 1935, Schultz wanted to kill New York District Attorney Thomas Dewey, but Lucky, fearing that it would bring more intense scrutiny and pressure from law enforcement, had Schultz killed instead. Oh. Yeah. In order to generate more anger to keep his hitmen occupied, Lucky started Murder, Inc. in 1933. Murder, Inc. was authorized to kill anyone approved by the syndicate for a profit. 
with his hit squad protecting him from rivals and paid off judges and officers keeping him out of jail. He was America's premier criminal until he was betrayed by his own men. Reportedly, he was able to order final hits on his betrayers from jail before his execution. Well then. Yeah. That escalated quickly. I mean, I wish I was that powerful. <laughs> Be like, oh, you fucked me over? <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> I don't have it in me, though. Like, I couldn't be that ruthless. No. Well, you went first last time, so I'll go first this time, I guess. Okay. So we are going to hop around, I guess. Okay. <laughs> um, so this kind of starts in Puerto Rico. Okay. We're going to do the Chupacabra. I'm okay with that. But I'm going to call him Choopy because I'm not saying Chupacabra every five seconds because I will get tongue-tied. Okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so, what does it look like? Um, a common description of it is it like a reptile-like creature said to have leathery or scaly greenish-gray skin and sharp spines running down its back. So... It's already giving me little grays. It's essentially like a big iguana. Yes. Mm-hmm. I never thought about it like that. That worked. Have one, so. Blah, 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 blah. No, thank you. What? Live a little. Uh, okay. I'm gonna go to Florida and have a frozen iguana drop on my head. Negative. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think okay, so. so for a moment, iguanas are disgusting. If you put them in a bathtub, I know. I've seen it. They swim like Godzilla, and it's fucking amazing. When I was <sighs> shit, I had to be like eight or nine. My uncle had two of them, and I would go over there, and he would put them in the bathtub when they were shedding. And I got whipped with a tail. And that is why I don't like iguanas. Because that shit hurt. <laughs> but did the tail fall off? No, I feel like I would remember that. <laughs> I grabbed Draco. Because... Of course you named Draco. Well... But... It was... What is that damn Kevin Costner movie? There's a lot. Pick one. It's about dragons. And the dragon talks. And his name's Draco. You're asking the wrong person. Hold on. I think it was a Kevin Costner movie. Dragonheart. Sure. But his name was Draco. He was a really, really beautiful fucking dragon. And that's why I named my iguana after. This was before Harry Potter came out, okay? I was like seven years old. I had iguana that was three feet long. Blech. He was flipping amazing. Blech. I went to get him out of the bathtub one day. He hit me with his tail. So I grabbed it. And he dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I probably would have pissed myself. I went running downstairs and I go, Mom! <laughs> I broke him! Absolutely fucking not. Oh, God. Anyway. Yep, anyways. <laughs> Mom! <laughs> I broke it! Oh, no! My what? iguana! It's broken! <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, shit. Alright. Okay, so they're said to stand three to four feet tall and hop in a fashion like that of a kangaroo. So it's an iguana that runs around on its hind legs? It's an iguana roo. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going with. The most common description of it is like a 
breed of wild dog. Uh, this form is mostly hairless and has a pronounced spinal ridge, unusually pronounced eye sockets, fangs, and claws. They are said to drain all of their victims' blood through small, tiny, puncture-like holes. Okay. There are many reports of stray Mexican hairless dogs being mistaken for a chupi. See, and, and that's what I think of. Because every time you look up pictures of what it's supposed to look like... It looks like a dog. It looks like a hairless dog. Yeah. That just has, like, these little spines going along its spine. Right. Spines going along its spine. Like, sticking out of this, like, spike. I know. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> anyway. You're fine. You'll live. But then you see some of these pictures that people draw, and it's just like... That's like somebody that, oh god, what was it? Not deer. Yeah. When somebody drew the creepy ass picture of a not deer. Mm-hmm. Like this person made it look like a gremlin from the movie Gremlins. Sorry, those little things are cute, no matter how assholeish they are. You can't depict a chupacabra being fucking cute. A chupacabra gremlin. Well, so most of my notes are a timeline. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're starting in the 1970s in South Texas. I don't know that I believe this one. Okay. Sightings of what may have been a condor were linked to a rash of mutilated cattle. All of the blood was removed from the cattle. I don't see how a condor relates to a chupi. Aren't condors birds? Yes. Very large, creepy looking birds. Like vulture y. Oh, those ugly bastards. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, now we're moving to Brownsville, Texas. There were ranchers that found a bull dead. There was no blood left in the bowl and no tracks were found. You know what that reminds me of? Skinwalker Ranch. Have you watched that? Fuck, what's the new one? Blind Frog Ranch? No. What, what streaming service is it on? I've been watching it on Discovery, I think. I don't have Discovery. Maybe it's on Travel? I don't know. I think it's Discovery. Mm. But it's fucking creepy. Anyway. Uh, 1994 in Puerto Rico. Four little greys were found under a bed and chased out of the house with a broom. Mm-hmm. March 11th of 1995 in Orocovis, I think. Eight sheep were found dead. All of the sheep had three strange marks or puncture-like holes in the chest and were described as completely drained of blood. August 1995 in, I'm going to butcher these town names and I apologize in advance, uh, Canvanas, Puerto Rico. Chupis were blamed for the death of 100 November 19th, 1995 in Puerto Rico. They were blamed for the death of dozens of turkeys, rabbits, goats, cats, dogs, horses, and cows. They were said to have ripped open the bedroom window of a house in Caguas, destroyed a stuffed teddy bear, and left a small puddle of slime and a piece of rancid white meat on the windowsill. Okay. <clears throat> Witnesses said that the creature had hairy arms and huge red eyes, which not a little gray. So I don't know what we're getting at here. Another witness claims to have seen it in his backyard when it came out of the brush and bit the family dog. Quote, I think it belongs to the monkey family, but it isn't a monkey exactly. Sure. I don't... We go from an iguana root to a condor. Right. <laughs> to a monkey. <laughs> to a little gray. Dog, to a little gray. <laughs> oh, uh, December of that year, there were unusual bloodless deaths of chickens and cows. Several caged rabbits were found dead with holes in the neck without any blood found anywhere. Near the rabbit's cage was a track with a three-toed claw. Just the one, though. Okay. 
In one year, he was responsible for at least 1,000 killings of farm animals. Many witness accounts describe the creature as a four to six foot tall creature walking upright with large oval alien type eyes. Okay. December 1995 in Puerto Rico. Animals died as a result of a single puncture mark found on some part of the body which appeared to have drained them of blood. One photo shows a Siamese cat with a puncture through its skull. A local tabloid echoed the possibility that giant bats infiltrated the island in cargo shipments from South America. I mean, that's not... Probably not wrong. But at the same I mean, time... vampire bats are fucking mondo, right? Not really. What am I thinking of? Like, vampire bats are... They're big, but they're not, like, gigantic. What am I thinking of? The one that's huge. The one that everyone has as pets? Have you seen that one from This is why people don't go to Australia And that bat that's hanging from a gutter That's what I'm thinking of I'm getting there The black flying fox Yes They stand Well Their forearm length So just the top tip Of their wings before it bends is 6.46 inches. It is one of the largest bat species in the world and has a wingspan of more than one meter. So three feet. <clears throat> so yes. Possible. I mean, it could definitely overtake a cat. Yeah. But most bats are vegetarian. Well, not necessarily, like, vegetarians, but they eat insects. Right. Whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. I don't remember. They're not carnivorous. They're not going to go after blood. There's a word for that. I can't remember what it is. Let me look. Is there a word for it? They're omnivores. I thought those plants. No, that's herbivore. Oh. No, you're right. I'm just dumb, apparently. Anyway, um, December 1995, still in Puerto Rico, there was a 44-year-old man that was washing his car. He stated he was grabbed from behind. He fight off his attacker and saw a black-haired gorilla that was about five feet tall. He was left with cuts on his stomach. Oh. December 1995 in Oregon, a pregnant cow was found dead. Her right ear was removed, hide was cut from her face, the tongue was cut lengthwise, along with the top of their teeth, like their tops of the teeth were cut. All four of her teeth were removed, her rectum and vagina were cut out in like a keyhole style kind of thing, and no blood. Hmm. And that sounds skinwalkery to me. A lot of it is sounding skinwalkery. <clears throat> because when you think about it, okay, so go back to our episode, if you haven't listened to it and you're new, of the Skinwalker. It was almost like a wolf-like creature with human-like eyes and features. Yeah. In certain instances. Skinwalkers can take whatever form they want. But they're deformed. Something's wrong when they shift. It's not like a werewolf. Or they don't just go into like a pristine form. So you're looking at, you know, potentially having this be the Latin America or Puerto Rican version of a skinwalker. Yeah. Also. Uh, December. This is all 
December 1995. This one's in Puerto Rico. Uh, a woman heard a strange noise in her house and her dog started barking. Okay. A Siamese cat was found outside dead with its genitals removed. Two guinea heads were found with their throats slit. Uh, Eleven goats were found dead. Eight calves were found frozen and dead. All of them were skinned in some way. January 1996 in Oregon, there was a one-week-old calf that was dead and mutilated. That I don't know about. Coyotes. Yeah. Could be. Now we're in Miami. 40 animals were found dead. Witnesses said she saw a dog-like figure standing up with two short hands in the air. You got a big head and little arms. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where am I at? Mexico now. May 1996 in Mexico. Many small animals were dead. Witnesses report a tall animal-like being with three toed feet and hands on its back haunches with the forearms suspended at chest level very similar to a kangaroo. It has a row of spikes or straight feather-like projections from its head and down its back that raise and lower and have been seen to glow with their own light. They also reported a sucking device that seems to be a tube-like projection from the mouth. You be realist. I'm not going to be able to walk to my car by myself, right? Welcome to my life. <laughs> I always feel like somebody's following me out to my car. Fucking quit. <laughs> I'm so dumb. Uh, still in Miami, wounds are found on dead animals that resemble a quarter-inch biopsy punch mm. that extend completely through muscle tissue. Mm. In Mexico, a giant bat-like creature terrorizes a village. Goats were found daily with no blood. Farms form nightly vigilante squads. <laughs> we're telling people to keep their women and children locked up inside at night. Nobody knows what it really is. Keep your women and children inside. Hodge kids, hodge wife. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. I can't. I can't fucking do this shit. But this one is described as one to one and a half feet tall and able to take flight. I feel like something that small should not be able to think that it's saying. No. Like, people are saying. No. <clears throat> Still in Mexico, the Espinosa family. Mm-hmm. A front door was opened, and a creature was seen three to four foot tall with scaly skin, clawed hands, red eyes, and a row of spines. A seven-year-old boy in the same house said the creature stood on his bed and briefly on his chest. <laughs> Both siblings in the family described a smell like a wet dog. How did it get in the house? Opened a fucking door, apparently. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck that. <laughs> nope, I'm done. Wait, I quit. Opened a goddamn <laughs> door, apparently. So, there's one um, famous <coughs> sighting. I'm dying. It's okay. There's no die. Um, there's one famous sighting that sticks out whenever you research right. chupacabras. Okay. It's Madeline um, Tolan, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, still in Puerto Rico. She said that she saw the creature through her window. A bipedal creature with black eyes, reptilian skin, and spines down its back. She also described it as hopping like a kangaroo and smelling like sulfur. Okay. Oh, so it's a fucking demon. <laughs> There's one thing. Um, around the same time, Madeline had watched the film Species. Oh, Jesus. Skeptics said that the creature she described was eerily similar to the creature in the movie. Well, I mean, probably. I've never seen Species, I, never, so I don't know. I, I never watched it. I was too chicken shit when it came out. Yeah, I'm chicken shit now. So here we are. But, uh... Like... This is gonna sound stupid, but I understand where she's coming from. Like... I watched the movie Cabin in the Oh God. And I was I was like twelve <laughs> at the time, I think. <clears throat> I remember. And I refused I saw that in theaters. I refused. So we had two outside dogs and they were both part wolf. Yeah. Like they would not be inside. Mm-hmm. They would go stir crazy in the house and tear shit up. Yeah. So we left them outside. They had dog houses, everything. Well, 
my mom was like, hey, your brother's not going to be home. You need to go feed them. This bitch blacked out in my backyard. Hell no. Like, fuck you. No. <laughs> like, I made my mom stand at the stairs going down the deck. And I'm like, you were going to stand there? You're going to watch, watch me? me? <laughs> and I walked out there with both, like, half-gallon pitchers and I'm shaking the whole time and all you hear is the dog food rattling in them and I'm like terrified. <laughs> like I will, no. will not do it. If no. I watch a scary movie you better hope and pray. Like scary movies are my favorite. Don't get me wrong. I have to watch something funny afterwards. Like I have to watch but a cartoon afterwards. I can afterwards. not watch them at night and go outside. No. No, like if it's like It or Saw or Saw like Gory movies, I'm okay with, like, but like alien movies or like certain scary movies creep me the fuck out. Yeah. Like Pet Cemetery, the original one. I don't know that I've ever seen the original one. For the longest time, like I had my own little pet cemetery in my backyard. Yeah. Like my hamsters and all sorts of shit. I. Wouldn't go near that patch of the yard because I was terrified <laughs> that someone was gonna pop up and be like, "Hey, good morning." <laughs> like I just feed me. There's certain things that I won't do after I watch a certain type of scary movie. Yeah, going outside <laughs> is generally one is of one of them. Lincoln, Nebraska today. Nebraska. And we're going to talk about Charles Starkweather. Mm. He was born in Lincoln on November 24th, 1938. He was the third of seven children. Well, that's, that's a lot. Oh, thank you. To Guy and Helen Starkweather. That, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm gonna I'm pass. <laughs> the Starkweathers were a respectable family with well-behaved children. I'm gonna say no, since we're talking about him. Right. <laughs> Although his family was of working class background, the family always had shelter and other resources. Mm -hmm. Guy was, by all accounts, <clears throat> a mild-mannered man. Dear Lord, I sound like a 12-year-old boy. What happened to you? I don't know. <clears throat> you good? I think so. He was a carpenter who was often unemployed due to rheumatoid arthritis in his hand. During periods, Charles's mother supplemented the family income by working as a waitress. You gotta do what you gotta do. Right. Nothing wrong with that. He attended Saratoga Elementary School, Irving Middle School, and Lincoln High School. In contrast to his family life, Starkweather possessed no kind remembrances of his time during school. He was often bullied. Well, he was born with a mild birth defect that causes his or caused his legs to be misshapen. He okay. also suffered from a speech impediment. <clears throat> making it easy for them to pick on him. He was considered a slow learner and was accused of never applying himself. Mm. Although, in his teens, it was discovered that he also suffered from myopia that drastically affected his vision for most of his life. Okay. <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken, that's what Zach Bagans ended up developing after he stayed in the demon house. Something like that. <clears throat> Something with his eyes, I can't remember what yeah. it was. Myopia? I don't remember how you're actually supposed to pronounce it. Uh. So, the only subject in school that he excelled in was gym. It was gym class where he found a physical outlet for his growing rage against those who bullied him. I do not know what's going on right now, but I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I feel like I'm dying. 
Not literally, but... Oh, I missed your 12-year-old boy. I mean, if I really want to listen to this, I'd just go home. <laughs> Aiden sounds like this almost daily. Well, he has an excuse to. Right. Um, he used his newfound physical abilities to begin bullying those that had once bullied him. Uh. And soon his rage stretched beyond those who had bullied him to anyone he, d he didn't like. So, normally, he would wake up and choose violence. I understand that you're getting bullied and you're having a hard time. Right. That's not cool. He watched the film Rebel Without a Cause. Okay. And developed a James Dean fixation and began to groom his hairstyle and dress himself to look like him. Okay. Which wasn't uncommon back then. Right. Um, related to Dean's rebellious screen persona, believing that he had found a kindred, kindred spirit of sorts. Okay. Someone who suffered torment similar to his own whom he could admire. He developed a severe inferiority complex. Well. And became self-loathing. Yeah. Self-loathing and devoid of morals. Believing that he was unable to do anything correctly. And his failures would cause him to live in misery. <clears throat> I, okay. Yeah. Okay. When he was 18 years old, he was introduced to a 13-year-old, Carol Ann Fugate. Mm-hmm. He dropped out of Lincoln High School in his senior year and became employed at a Western Union newspaper warehouse. He sought employment there because the warehouse was located near Whittier Junior High School, where she attended. That's not creepy or anything. His employment allowed him to visit her every day after school, and he was considered a poor worker. And his employer later recalled, sometimes you'd have to tell him something two or three times before you do it. Out of all the employees in the warehouse, he was the dumbest man we had. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Charles taught Carol how to drive, and one day she crashed his 1949 Ford into another car. His Good job. father paid for the damages, as he was the legal owner of the vehicle. Oh, well. And this caused an altercation between Starkweather and his father. Understandably. <clears throat> Refusing to own this behavior, his father banished him from the household. Okay. Charles quit his job at the warehouse and was employed as a garbage collector for minimum wage. One of the homes on his route was the residence of future talk show host Dick Cavett. Have it? Sure. And Charles had once met Cavett's father. He began progressing towards different views in life, believing that his current situation was the final detriment of, or in how he was supposed to live the rest of his life. He used the garbage route to begin plotting bank robberies, and finally conceived his own philosophy by which he lived the remainder of his life. Dead people are all on the same level. Yeah. That escalated quickly. Yeah. On November 30th of 1957, Starkweather went to a service station in Lincoln where he tried to purchase a stuffed toy for his girlfriend on credit. Mm -hmm. Robert Colbert, the station attendant, refused to accept credit and Starkweather left enraged. At 3 a.m. on December 1st, he returned to the station with a 12-gauge shotgun. Initially, he left the weapon in the car, entered the, entered the station, and bought cigarettes. He left, drove down the road, turned around, returned to the gas station, again leaving the weapon in the car. This time, he purchased a pack of chewing gum, and then left again. He parked a distance away from the gas station, and 
sported a red bandana underneath hat and then walked to the gas station with a shotgun and a canvas bag. He had Colvert at gunpoint and stole $100 from the register before forcing Colvert to walk back to his car. He then drove the man to a remote area outside of Lincoln and forced him out of the car at which Colvert struggled with Charles and attempted to get a hold of the gun. The shotgun fired during the scuffle, shooting Colbert in his kneecaps. Starkweather then killed the wounded man with a shotgun blast to the head. He later claimed that in the aftermath of the murder, he believed that he had transcended his former self to reach a new place of existence in which he was above and outside of the law. He confessed the robbery to Carol immediately, claiming Someone else had killed the man, but she didn't believe him. Why would you? Yeah, I wouldn't believe it. Cuckoo nut man? He... <clears throat> On January 21st of 1958, he visited Carol at her home in the Belmont neighborhood of Lincoln. Not finding her at home, he argued with her mother and stepfather, Velda and Marion Bartlett, who told him to stay away from their daughter. He then fatally shot the Bartlett's with his shotgun and proceeded to strangle and fatally stab their two-year-old daughter, Betty Dean. Mm. After Carol arrived at home, he told her of his recent actions and they hid the bodies in various locations behind the house. They hid the bodies. The couple remained in the house for six days, turning people away with a note written by Carol, taped to the door that said, stay away, everyone is very sick with the flu. Hey, it sounds like that. Velda. No, not funny. (laughs) You're horrible. Am I wrong? No, not at all. (laughs) I know I'm horrible. Am I wrong? (laughs) Carol's grandmother became suspicious and contacted the police. What? Contacted the the what? department. Christ! When police arrived on January 27th, Starkweather and Fugate had already fled the house. They drove to the Bennett, Nebraska farmhouse of 70-year-old August Meyer, a Starkweather family friend, whom Starkweather killed with a shotgun blast to the head. As they were fleeing the area, they drove their car into mud and had to abandon the vehicle. When Robert Jensen and Carol King, two local teenagers, stopped to give them a ride, he forced them to drive back to the, an abandoned storm shelter in Bennett, where both were shot and killed. He admitted shooting Jensen and claimed Fugate shot King. They stole Jensen's car and fled. So you're just going to throw your little girlfriend under the bus? Pretty much. Got it. The true... Dear God. The two drove into a wealthier section of Lincoln where they entered the home of C. Lore and Clara Ward. Both Clara and Maid Lillian were fatally stabbed. Starkweather later admitted throwing a knife at Ward. However, he accused... Carol of inflicting multiple st- the multiple stab wounds that were found on her body. He also accused her of fatally stabbing Lillian, whose body had multiple stab wounds. When Lore returned home, Starkweather shot him. They filled his black 1956 Packard with stolen jewelry from the house and fled Nebraska. Cool. The murders caused an uproar within Lancaster County. Why does everything happen in Lancaster County? I don't know. Like, we've done so many things that have to do with some. So, the murders caused an uproar within Lancaster County. And all law enforcement agencies in the region went into a house by house search for the killers. Okay. 
The governor of Nebraska contacted the National Guard and the Lincoln Chief of Police. They wanted a house-by-house, block-by-block search of the city. Mm-hmm. Frequent sightings of the two were often reported. However, they were never able to be captured. Right. So, needing a new car because of the high profile of the Packard, they found traveling salesman Merle Collison, sure, (laughs) sleeping in his Buick along the highway outside of Douglas, Wyoming. Okay. After waking Collison, he was shot. Oh. With Charles accusing Carol of harming a coup de grace, coup de gras, my bad, after his shotgun jammed. Um, Charles claimed that she was the most trigger-happy person he had ever met. No, friend, I think that's you. Yeah, the the salesman car had a push-pedal emergency brake, which was something new to Starkweather. Um, while attempting to drive away, the car stalled. He tried to restart the engine, and a passing motorist stopped to help when he then threatened them with a wife with a wife with a wifle wifle <laughs> <laughs> oh. he threatened them with a wifle <laughs> shit with a rifle and an altercation ensued a deputy sheriff arrived at the scene at that moment Carol ran to him yelling something to the effect of it's stark whether he's going to kill me oh god Charles tried to evade the police, exceeding speeds of 100 miles per hour. A bullet shattered the windshield, flying, and flying glass ended up cutting him. He stopped abruptly and surrendered because, oh, glass hurts. No shit. <laughs> Converse County Sheriff Earl Heflin said he thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow son of a bitch he is. <laughs> I love it. Both Charles and Carol were <laughs> captured in Douglas. That's a kind of yellow son of a bitch. <laughs> like, and I can only imagine <laughs> with, like, the Wyoming, like, twang in his voice. The yellow belly <laughs> son. <laughs> like, all I can picture is Sam Elliott saying it. I can't get the... <laughs> I mean, I could, but... It takes more. <laughs> and I sound like a 12 year old and going to puberty again. So. Hey, you're halfway there. You just gotta go down to 47 octaves. Right. Alright. So, anyway. Together, their victims were Robert Colbert, the gas mm-hmm. station attendant, Marion and Velda Bartlett, Carol's parents, well, mom and stepfather. Right. Betty Jean Bartlett, who was two. August Meyer, who was 70, he was the farmer, mm-hmm. um, Robert Jensen and Carol King, which were the two teenagers that stopped to help, Lore Ward, Clara Ward, and Lillian Finkel, which were the wealthy industrialist, his wife, and the maid, and Merle Collison, the traveling salesman. Okay. This all happened within a year. Yeah. He claimed that Carol was captured by him and had nothing to do with the murders. However, he changed his story several times, finally testifying at her trial that she was a willing participant. Carol had always maintained he was holding her hostage by threatening to kill her family, claiming she was unaware that they were already dead. Even though she helped head bodies. Right. Judge Harry Spencer did not believe that Carol was held hostage as she had many opportunities to escape. Mm-hmm. Charles received the death penalty for the murder of Robert Jensen, the only murder he was tried for. And Carol received a life sentence on November 21st of 1958. Her sentence was eventually commuted, allowing her to be paroled in June of 1976. Charles Starkweather was executed in the electric chair at the 
Nebraska State Penitentiary in Lincoln, I don't Nebraska. know what you were trying to say, but it was I not Nebraska. Nebraska. <laughs> Nebraska. At 12.01 a.m. on June 25th of 1959, Carol was paroled in June 1976 after serving 18 years at the Nebraska Correctional Facility for Women in York, Nebraska. She settled in Lansing, Michigan, where she changed her name and worked as a janitor at a Lansing hospital. Carol has never married and refuses to speak of the murders. Charles is buried in Yuga Cemetery. I don't know. It's spelled W-Y-U-K-A in Lincoln, along with five of his victims, the Bartlett family and the Ward couple. So here's where... Like, I kind of hate the fact that we gravitate towards serial killers and spree killers because they're they're fascinating, mm-hmm. in a way. Um, Stephen King was strongly influenced by reading about the Starkweather murders when he was young, and he kept a scrapbook about them, later creating many variations of Charles in his work. Oh. He is said to have been a schoolmate of Randall Flagg in The Stand. Okay. He said in later interviews that the character The Kid, who appears in the complete and uncut ed- edition of The Stand, was modeled after him. Okay. The Starkweather Fugate case inspired the films The Sadist, 1963. Okay. Badlands, 1973. True Romance, 1993. Natural Born Killers, 1994, and Starkweather, 2004. The made-for-TV movie Murder in the Heartland, 1993, is a biographical depiction of Starkweather with Tim Roth in the starring role, while in 1983, Stark Raving Mad, a film starring Russell Fast and Marcy Severson, provides a fictionalized account of the murder spree. Liz Ward, the granddaughter of C. Lore and Claire Ward, wrote the 2004 novel Outside Valentine based on the events of the murders. The 1974 book Carol is an unauthorized of Carol Ann Fugate, oh. written by Nanette Beaver. Her parents must have hated her. Nanette. 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 Nine TTE. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen's song Nebraska, which is also the title of or title song of his solo album of nineteen eighty two, is based on these events. It is a first person narrative. Oh. Yeah. That sounds like a note. The Peter Jackson film The Frighteners has one of the central plot elements of a stark weather inspired killer who goes on a similar murder spree complete with a kidnapped female accomplice the murderer who committed his crime soon after Starkweather's spree was inspired to try and outdo Starkweather's number of victims and when hauled before the media shouts one more than Starkweather in triumph because that's an accomplishment right the song Badlands by Church of Misery on their album, Houses of the Unholy Centers on the Murders, or Centers on the Murders, and is told from a first-person perspective. The 13th Step episode of Criminal Minds depicts a North Dakota and Montana newlyweds killing spree similar to Starkweather and Fugate. Oh. I remember that episode. Um, the band Starkweather took its name from the spree killer. Billy Joel mentioned Stark, or the Starkweather homicide in his song, We Didn't Start the Fire. Really? Yes. That is one of my favorite songs ever. Hmm. Now I'm going to have to go back and listen to it, though. To Hold find on. It. Now i got to find the lyrics. <laughs> the final boss and main foe character... From the Rockstar game Manhunt is also called Starkweather and keeps a certain similitude in his physical aspect. Like, you don't expect something this small 
to make that big of to an make that impact. big of an impact on things, and it does. Now I'm looking at him now. Hang on. Now I want to <laughs> listen to that song. Do I have it downloaded? If I don't, I'm gonna cry. Because <laughs> it's literally one of my favorites. I don't. Starkweather homicide. Mhm. Like he goes on and mentions like a lot of shit in that one song. Jeremy makes fun of me because I can sing quite a bit of it. I know almost all the words. Like, I feel like Billy Joel was one of the most underrated, like, solo artists ever. But now I'm going to have to listen to that song. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like, on my way home. That's fine. That's weird how... These killers get romanticized and right. I don't like it. Mm-mm. If there's some chick I just found on TikTok, I can't remember what her name is, but I guess when somebody sends a letter to somebody in prison, mm-hmm. it's public record. Yeah, I didn't know that. But she found letters that people have been sending to Chris Watts. Oh, God. It ain't cute. I know what you're... I'm here to talk if you need to. Get fucked. Well, that's like, you know, all the women who wrote letters to Charles Manson and how many people offered to marry him while he was in prison. Yeah. Like... It's creepy. It is. It really is. Like, I just don't understand what would make you want to be that for somebody, knowing what they did. Yeah. Like, not only did Charles go after someone, I can't even be mad at him for that, goddammit. So... He was 18. She was 13. Yeah. That was when Marcus and I, like, decided that we liked each other. He was 18, I was 13. So I can't really get mad at him for that. Like, I can't. No. I can, but I can't. Like, in today's time, I can. Because it's frowned upon. It's always been frowned upon, but. But back then. It wasn't as frowned upon as it is now. Yes and no. But the fact that he murdered her parents and her two-year-old little sister because his or her parents didn't want him to be anywhere around her. Yeah. That. That's a bit much. That's a bit much. Like, that is when it's deemed not okay by any means. This is sounding, like, really wrong. Um, <laughs> I do not condone pedophilia at all. I would fucking hope not. But back then they didn't view it the way that we view it now. The age of consent back then was compl- it it was like a gray area. It was there but it wasn't. Yeah, and a lot of people, my grandma, for instance, she got married when she was 15, 16. Yeah. And immediately had kids. Right. So it's it wasn't uncommon. Now, in today's times, anything over X amount of years is frowned upon. Yeah. Let alone... If someone's 17 and talking to a 14-year-old, that's only three years, but it's still considered statutory rape in some cases because parental consent has to be there. And even then, the parents can take away that consent at any time, and the younger one can claim anything happened, and poof. Right. You're done. It becomes an issue and you're done. 
Yeah. It's a lot. Everything has changed and progressed. And then you see all these people in the media talking about how because celebrities did it, it was okay. No. It doesn't make it okay. No. And it's it's a fucked up world we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why I want to buy 50 acres and live in the fucking middle of it. Hey. I told you <laughs> what we found in North Carolina, okay? Apparently I got approved to move to Florida, so there, there's that. Jeremy saw there on New Year's and told us that if we found enough property in Texas, we would all go. I'm not moving to Texas. You are insane. It'd be way too hot. Yes. Florida's worse. The humidity in Florida is way worse than I would take Florida over Texas. 100%. No offense to anybody in Texas, but it's it's too fucking hot there. We went for my stepmom's mom's funeral. I didn't even bother putting makeup on and I put my hair up because it was melting. It was fucking melting. The one time I went to Florida, I was like six. I blistered. Oh Threw yeah. a t-shirt mm-hmm. because of the sun yeah. and how hot it was. Mm-hmm. And our air conditioning in the hotel ran constantly. Mm-hmm. I hate air conditioning hotels. Me too. They only go down to a certain temperature. The one that we stayed at in Myrtle Beach, oh, it went down to like 62. I, the was, one, I was in Penguin Paradise. The one we were at in Texas, I think it only went down to 68. Oh, jeez. And it did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Anyway, after our 20-minute rant. Yeah. <laughs> our Facebook is... 10 zero true crime and paranormal stories from behind the headset. Hey, there you I go. I didn't even have to think about it that time. For <laughs> TikTok... Our Twitter and our Instagram are all the same. The only thing different is our Instagram is spelled out 10 underscore zero underscore podcast. Um, we have a Patreon if you're feeling generous. We have four different levels of goodies ranging from a shout out to our big vinyl decal and all the above. Um, oh, our email Ten zero podcast at gmail.com. We didn't do that last episode. Did we? No. Oops. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's fine. Right. Uh, <laughs> you could send us your case suggestions or any... Um, personal stories. Personal like stories. Speaking of that, if you have ever had any sleep paralysis weirdness happen to you, please send us an email and, and let me know. I'm doing sleep too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we hit 250 followers on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter? No, Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> My bad. One of the three, it's fine. For a total of 500 between the two, we will be doing a personalized Tumblr giveaway. Last episode, we talked about one of the ideas that I have. And it is a sublimation tumbler with crime like crime scene tape in the background and then blood dripping from the top. And it'll have our logo on one side and your name on the other. Um, but that's just an idea. We can do almost anything you want. Um, it will be either 20 ounce or 30 ounce. You can choose. I'm not going to be mad about it. Um, if we hit... 750 followers between Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There it is. <laughs> um, we will be doing a three of a kind, technically, um, hoodie giveaway. Technically, it'll be one of a kind because nothing ever tie-dyes the same. Okay, so I even told my mom, like, you cannot have one of these hoodies. So it would be completely one of a kind. And that is if we reach 750. 
but I think that's all I got. Okay. Well, with that being said, stay safe and try not to become the next 10 0.